Okay. Um, before we got on the call and before we, we chatted, we, I sent you some questions, Matt, for you to think about and uh, come up with some answers for that. Oh, yeah. I used, to, I used to call these my quick fire questions, but it ended up being at least like half of the podcast because they throw up such interesting conversations that I don't call them quick yeah. questions anymore. I've, yeah, I've got them here. We, we brushed on some of them already, yeah. but I, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the, again, it is the worst question to ask any fan of any artist. Um, if you only can pick one album, which Tom Petty album is your favorite album? I'm, I'm sticking with what I said earlier. I'm going with Echo. I, you know, the title track, Room at the Top and Swinging, that yeah. alone is unreal. Yeah. You know, I, th- I would say favorite. It is my favorite. If it was rephrased as Desert Island album, I'm not sure I would pick Echo. Um, right. But, but uh, like, I think Wildflowers might be a smarter Desert Island album. And when you're a freshman in college and trying to understand who you are in the context of people who love Imagine Dragons, definitely pick Damn the Torpedoes then. Uh, Damn Damn the Torpedoes was all that got me through that. But as as someone who's in California, not yet a desert island, and no longer in college, I'm I'm going with Echo. (laughs) So question two, Mudcrutch or Traveling Wilburys? I think I know where this one's going, but I'm going to hold it in my brain. Uh, I'm going with Wilburys. I don't know. Was that where you were going? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that first Wilburys album is truly like one of the great pop albums. Um, it, it's also when it came to when I first heard it, I I was sort of just getting into music and Handle With Care came on the radio, uh, yeah. I think in one of my school carpools. And I was just blown away and you know they sort of this is going to sound very rude to the other members of mud crutch but they sort of ironically have the opposite effects of like the collaborative nature like i think the willberries the way in that in which they collaborated and of course there's the you know ginormous asterisk that oh yeah it's bob dylan and one of the beatles <laughs> etc uh i i think it like expanded everybody's vision whereas i think mud crutch the way in it, in which it was collaborative kind of narrowed the vision a little bit yeah um and you know that they're they're really i love that those albums exist and there are plenty of songs that i listen to uh repeatedly from them but there's an element of them that is sort of more like artifact than than fully realized artistic statement and some of those lead vocalists i, I don't really need to hear you know if i'm just being <laughs> honest yeah totally. You know? um yeah and, and man that first wilbury's album that's as good a collection of songs as you're gonna get really well like i said if you want to learn as a songwriter, how to write melody? Well, you know what? You can do a lot worse than listen to George Harrison, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, and Bob Dylan. I mean, because those guys yeah. just know, I mean, Orbison's voice, dear God. I mean, that's, that's what I love about that. You've got, you've yeah. got a Beatle, Bob Dylan, the the the, the, the form, form, uh, formative guy in the, in the counterculture in America. Like, two, the, the only cultural <laughs> acts, really, they're going to withstand the test of time, I think, from our, our this, this century, or last century. And then you've got Jeff Lynne, who you know, Joe was in a, a little band called The Yellow and everything else. And yet, and, and Bob Dylan, yet the one they were all fascinated by and the one they were all in awe of was Roy Orbison. 
because he don't get with Elvis, yeah. right? And so that was the thing that they were all tell stories about Elvis, Roy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's funny how he, you know, this does not make me unique. He was Roy and Jeff Lynne are the two. I had no idea who they were when I first started listening, yeah. and when I first heard Roy's voice, you know, in the pre-chorus of "Handle with Care," whatever yeah. you call that part of the song. It was always very jarring to me because it, right. <laughs> it's this like very sort of spooky 50s thing. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it took, I, I was almost like, it almost feels like you're suddenly in like a, a funeral chapel or something. <laughs> and I, I always kind of like wish I could fast forward through that part. But now, cut to me now, and I think those are the best parts. Yeah. Like not, a, not alone anymore is the song I listened to by far the most on that album. It's, yeah. it's hauntingly beautiful. It's just amazing. Well, it's so funny because the Wilburys album, I've, I've, you know, thinking back and your memories are always fuzzy, especially when you're my age, about when you first heard Petty. I'm pretty sure it was the Wilburys because my dad's a huge really? Beatles fan, as am I. But I didn't know. It's like, who the hell is this? I know Tom Petty like did that free falling song. Why is he hanging out with one of the Beatles <laughs> and Roy Orbison and I, because I was a big ELO fan because British. Um, so it was the other way for me. It was like, well, I know who Orbison is because I've listened to him growing up and, you know, crying uh-huh. about Orbison is one of the all-time great vocal performances. Um, so that was the other thing for me. But yeah, I mean, talk about, yeah, Handle With Care, Dirty World, Rattled, Last Night, Last Night's a great song, Not Alone Anymore. <laughs> Congratulations, Dylan drawing his way through that track, Heading For The Light, Margarita, Tweeter and The Monkey Man, and then End Of The Line. And End Of The Line, I think, is might be my top 10 favorite songs of all time and again oh, yeah. super simple keltner does not play a single symbol on that song the whole way through it's just that brush it's snare it. and the kick it's so good Petty, petty's verses in that song are they're, <laughs> they're perfect you know the way the way he sings purple haze like i think <laughs> that that by itself is just like you know uh a perfect sort of like encapsulated moment of delivery, what the words are. Yeah. It's actually extremely poignant and yet it's kind of silly. Yeah. Um, it, everything right there. Well, yeah, just, it, it, and it was a thing too, that I think rock and roll at that point had started to take itself a little bit seriously. And that's what I love that that album is. It's, it's as frivolous as it is brilliant. Because they're just they're just having fun and they're writing what one song a day they wrote and recorded one song a day and they would just hash out the lyrics as quickly as they could and they didn't overthink anything they didn't do too much editing and yet you still get this like you said a perfect collection of pop songs so yeah and and again you know we keep circling back to it but you know getting rid of ego and and I and I mean that mm-hmm. not not just in the sense of like being better than others but being overly aware of yourself so like my God if being able to not have an ego in the context of the heartbreakers already amazing, but to not have an ego when you're surrounded by those guys, that's, yeah. that's incredible that, you know, that's, that's love of creativity and yeah. putting, putting the result in front of yourself. It's the pure joy of playing music is the way I always put it. Right. I'm sure, you know, cause yeah. you, you know, you, you've, you've released six albums, you tour constantly. I'm sure there's artists who are starting out in the scene now who look up to you and think man that'd be i don't know if i could work with matt that would be a little bit scary but you think well we're all just musicians and unless you're a yeah unless yeah. you're an asshole musicians kind of just like jamming with each other and learning different chords and different licks and that's what musicians yeah. are, being musicians about right it's about learning so oh, absolutely yeah all right well if you could join the heartbreakers on stage for one song what would it be and would you play and or sing 
Oh, uh, I think I think singing would be too much. I okay. I I I we already brushed on this song, but I think I would play the guitar solo on the waiting. It's uh, and when we're talking about Mike Campbell and soloing, I I forgot to say that soloing is almost the wrong word for what he does because that is a written solo. It's yep. a and it, it's an instrumental part. It's not a solo per se. Because for me, solo connotes improv, and it's he plays that the same every time. It's a written yeah. part. It's just so brilliant. It um, it elevates the song, and yet it's the perfect handoff back to the the pre-chorus vocal, and it's uh, it's just totally glorious. Yeah. And it um, I would love to play that. I th- I think you know it's funny you mentioned how the the voice is just another instrument, and yet. Sorry, I shouldn't have been drinking bubbles. I'm getting okay. <laughs> um, uh, the the voice in so many ways. It is it's proper to think of it as just another instrument, and yet there is an element of it that's so intimately connected to the singer yeah. that somehow I think being on stage with the Heartbreakers, being Tom, and maybe I'm thinking of this through the lens of him having passed away. But it's it's sort of almost too much. I it's more than I might be able to bear. Whereas yeah. I think playing a guitar part would feel like I am interfacing with them in the appropriate way. So I think I think the solo from the waiting. I think that's what I would want to do. But you could man, you could totally do the high harmonies for that song too. Though you've that's got, true. You've got the falsetto, you could do that. You could take the how we lead on that. Oh you know? man, <laughs> those early those early uh, stand harmonies are yeah. out of control. Great. <laughs> The uh, yeah, on the torpedoes and uh, and hard promises, those yeah. high harmonies are unbelievable. Man, we talked about that. I was talking about that with um, I think Paul Zola, where I was saying like, man, what luck too though Tom had with finding that, finding you know not only singers who were good singers, but also who complemented his voice. We had Stan, then Howie, and then Scott Thurston, who like okay, we'll just get bring Scott Thurston into the band then because he's hanging around doing nothing else. You know, it's like, holy moly, yeah. Wow. Yeah, totally. No, to be able to have people who who you who are able to satisfy what you do, but to have the 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 mental flexibility to realize that everybody wins if you are able to mold yourself to them as well. Even though you're Tom Petty, whose name is on everything, you know. Yeah, but he he said that frequently about you know about how we answer. He said you you still need that. He could sing lead with no harmony, but the songs wouldn't be as good and the performance wouldn't be as good. So he ne- I don't think he ever took that for granted, right? You know, when he said uh, there was even yeah. one, one, I can't remember which concert it was, he said how he, him and I, we were sort of looking at each other and he was struggling that night on some song or other. And he said how he just picked up, took a line, let him take a quick breather, and then he came back in. So that understanding between bandmates, too, is it's a critical part of being that level of band that the heartbreakers were at right so yeah i think harmony vocals are so important for that i think they in a way are sort of the glue that turns a songwriter with some dudes behind them into a band because the voice is something a little more personal so to be able to 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 be able to meld in that way i think is is sort of critical to some kind of onstage camaraderie yeah do you have that? Do you, sorry, do you have a harmony? Do you have a harmony vocal in your band? Somebody's. Who's... I do. Yeah, uh, the bass player, as it were, as you know, as fate would have it, he's a wonderful yeah. singer. Great, great singer in his own right too. But he, 
he knows how to support my my voice better than anyone I've played with. I don't think I've ever asked a musician this or a singer this. I'm not too sure if I've. Do you practice? Like how like how much do you practice? You're just sitting down and going through. Okay, if I'm singing this, sing a fifth here or a third there, or like how much time do you put into constructing that? Uh, with with the other singer, you mean? Or yeah, um, yeah. You know, whenever we do a new batch of songs, we we do sort of a separate vocal practice. Okay. Uh, you know, just a couple hours just singing with with an acoustic guitar. Um, I'm spoiled because he's fantastic, so I don't need to hammer anything into him. So, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just my experience. Super <laughs> Other cool. people, much it might be much more frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question four: Who would be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers concert? So I I went through a lot of different possibilities here. The person I settled on, um, and I'm sure he would be uh, uh, livid that I suggest he would be an <laughs> opener for Tom Petty. But I, I came up with Elvis Costello. And and the the reason that I did this is because I think of them as sort of like flip sides of a coin yeah. where Tom is like all of his lyrics are understated and he always does sort of the less complicated thing. Elvis sort of always does the more complicated thing. Yeah. Like his, his lyrics are like steeped in wordplay that is always too clever for its own good. And he's always, he's always trying new genres, sometimes to, to excellent effect, but like key changes and insanely complicated instrumentation and arrangement. Um, And I think they are both saying brilliant things, but in like almost opposite ways. Yeah. Um, Like Elvis needs to tell you how, how smart he is. (laughs) And Tom almost wants to like, distract you from how smart he is um and i was i i connect more with with tom petty these days but especially in high school i was such a i was a total elvis freak um and to me they're sort of these these uh sort of uh contradictory impulses and i love both of those impulses it would be a blast to see them at the same concert Oh man, if he opened, just imagine Petty comes out and uh, sings with him on Watching the Detectives. How cool would his voice oh, sound on that song? <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I, that's true. Even better would be having them trade songs. Or yeah. what What about put Elvis in front of the the, uh, the Heartbreakers and Tom in front of the, the attractions? That, oh, that would yeah. be fascinating. <laughs> it, and again, my God, the the attractions are all about stepping on toes. They are <laughs> they are defined by stepping on toes, which is the exact opposite of the heartbreakers. Uh, and like this, yeah. this year's model, it's it's it works. <laughs> it's it shouldn't work, but it does work. Yeah, well, you you want at least one band doing that, though, right? You don't want everyone doing the same thing. It's getting talking heads, man. There's so, like you said, there's so much going on in those songs. Yeah, it's just yeah. bewildering. How do you, how the hell do you even keep track of that? So I want Petty doing that thing, and I want Elvis Costello doing that thing. I love that. It's a great, a great opening act. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if it ever happened because I don't think they loved each other particularly because they did. <laughs> they we're on the same bill, I think. In this, in the late seventies, I think they shared a bill a few times. And Tom, oh, yeah. I can't remember what song it is now. I'd written it on the Damn the Torpedoes season where there is a an ending that is in a single that Elvis released that 
Tom said that he's taken that. He, he took that from us. Like he, he's definitely really? taken that from us. And he refused to call it. I guess he refused to call him Elvis, right? Because there's only one Elvis. But I'm glad if it was tongue in cheek. But yeah. All oh, right. I, I forgot about the Tom Elvis, the Elvis connection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Costello has always been Elvis for me. <laughs> <laughs> when he's and he is who he is. Right? I mean, he's one of those really sort of he's polarizing, and he he says what he says, and he doesn't really care if he upsets people and. But, you know, you, you kind of have to have the chops to back it up if you're going to be like that. And he kind of does. So. He does, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, who's your favorite band member other than Tom? And I always assume that everyone's favorite band member is Tom, obviously, but... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's sort of a cop-out answer, but, you know, I love Ferroni. You know, it's, yeah. it's not really fair since I do know him, but I, I, I love what he... Uh, love what he epitomizes about the band like i i think he um the way in which they brought him in demonstrates that they were willing to mold to other people yeah. i think it also shows how great the songs are that you could bring in someone and he does he doesn't sound like stan he really doesn't i think oh, they God, have nothing like very very different not just like slightly different approaches, like their pockets are really different. Yeah. But to me, that speaks to how great the songwriting is, is that they can, there's fluidity in the approach and you still know how great a song it is. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, he also exemplifies sort of the generosity of spirit of everybody in that camp. I mean, yeah. I, I will say that, that Ron Blair comes back decades later it's one of my favorite things in like rock and roll history. I just yeah, think that's totally. so great. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Ferroni. I, I when when I was working with him, he uh, I just become a vegetarian, and he okay. was at the time. I don't think he is anymore, but he, I, you know, I wasn't driving yet, so he would leave the studio and go get us vegetarian food while oh, I was doing man, vocal so takes. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, he could still be. I, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, it might be a bit of a cop-out answer since I know him, but I'm going with Ferroni. I don't think it is at all. And I mean, as a well, a hobbyist drummer myself, like, Ferroni's a beast. And that guy can play and has played with pretty much everyone. He can play pretty much any style. And that's where he does come in and he brings, you know, because he's played jazz, he's played fusion, he's played a lot of different things. Stan definitely didn't play. So he just adds different accents in at different points. And his, his meter's slightly different. And his swing is just slightly different to Stan so and again if you're a musician you don't really care about those things you don't notice them but when you try and play his stuff it's like I can't play it yeah. I can play the notes I can't quite play it the way Ferroni plays it you know yeah I think it's the swing their swing is just yeah just enough that it's almost if you don't know it it can actually be even a little bit unsettling from especially the sort of torpedoes era stuff where it's just, yeah. it's just not quite the same it's interesting it's interesting well, and Stan couldn't have, could, well, I mean, he probably could have done, but it wouldn't have, those records wouldn't have been the same with Stan playing on them. You need, or, or sorry, with Steve playing on them. You need Stan playing on Century City and Shadow of a Doubt. Yeah. You, know, you need him playing on those songs and you need Steve for only playing You Don't Know How It Feels. Totally. Stan's totally. not going to play that the way that it needs to be played, right? So, absolutely. I love that, yeah. I love that story about them rolling up, though, and he says, he, you know, he, can, he rolls up to the studio and they haven't told him who he's auditioning with and he sees Kerry Aronoff rolling out. It's like Kenny Aronoff didn't get the gig. Who the hell is in there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you could go to see any Tom Petty concert from history, and I don't know, you did you see him live ever? 
I, I yes, I, I saw him three three times actually. Okay. Yeah. The 40th anniversary tour, did you see or? Yes, I saw it two times on that, and yeah. then I guess yes, it was the Hypnotic Eye tour in okay, thir- twelve or thirteen, something like that, at cool. Madison Square Garden. Oh no, wait, that's um, one of my bucket list yeah. venues to see someone play for sure. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Uh, well, I would see I would see the Pack Up the Plantation era tour. Okay. Um, so I guess eighty four, eighty five, in around then. Um, I know I keep coming back to the song, but it's because I can't get over this song. The the way they do the waiting, where it's solo until yep. the bridge, and then the piano and some cymbals come in during the bridge, yeah. and then it just launches into this kaleidoscopic, brilliant moment with the solo. Yeah, it's just one of the, it's it. You know, my hair stands on end. It's yep. it's transcendent. It's it's you know it's life altering uh yeah so that moment alone would make me want to see that tour yeah um there there's also a great video of them doing it that way at a i think farm aid it's either live aid or farm aid i think probably farm aid i think it's farm um, yeah i think you're right yeah where he's wearing that blazer with like you know interstellar stuff on it yeah um planetary stuff yeah i I mean, there's some choices from that time that I'm, there are also horns on that version of the waiting. Yeah. I'm not sure I, I necessarily care for the horns, but that, I think that's <laughs> just a, that was just sort of a, a thing a lot of people did during that time. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's, the, that's so, the, Dave, the, the Dave Stewart's influence, right? From, from Southern accents. You've got horns right. on some of those songs, so we need them for that. Well, we're paying for them, so we may as well have them playing on a few of these right. other tracks too, right? So. Right. I'm being an inclusive yeah. musician too, I think comes into it. But yeah, I mean, that era, the Wiltern gigs would be fantastic to be at. Or uh, yeah. Michael Washburn, who wrote a brilliant book about Southern accents and who I've spoken to, said he looked at it. It would be kind of interesting to see what the tone of the shows was like once Tom sort of realized the whole, you know, the, the battle flag and all that kind of stuff and said, like, right. let's not do that anymore. It would be interesting to see how that affected the mood of the crowd. Be just, just to be a fly on the wall for some of those things, right? But, but what a great tour. And I mean, just visually fantastic yeah oh totally okay so this i've been looking forward to this question more than any other because i, I when i sent you this list you said that you, this made you grin ear to ear so wall circus or walls number three which is your favorite version well th- this song just means a lot i i think of i think of tom's lyrics as having sort of like proverbs laced through them like you know they're really uh they're so simple but this song is just like it's sort of a a litany of like brilliant couplets yeah um and you know they're they're haunting and this this song when i first discovered it it was deep into my tom petty listening that i discovered it because once again the record cover that has jennifer aniston is not (laughs) not not one of the first you reach for but I'm so glad I did because I, you know, I thought I maybe knew every great Tom Petty song. And then Wall's Circus comes on and I'm like, not only do I not know every Tom Petty song, but I don't even know all the, all of the best ones, you know? And I I was driving and, uh, and Circus came on and I literally added like 45 minutes went out of my way to wherever i was going just to be able to listen to that song on repeat it's 
it's just such a it's a perfect song and i i hate the word perfect but it's a perfect song um that said i'm more of a number three person um yes. <laughs> i i think it's better it's it's uh and i i only say that about circus because if you listen to the album in order that's what you hear first yeah and i think i think its production is really cool i love the backing vocals i think there's much to be said for it but it's somehow self-serious in a way that number three isn't number three is like so off the cuff it's so i've used this word but it's so relevant for him it's so understated it's how it's the way they did it during the 40th anniversary tour and the tempo just suits it so well i i think that circus is really cool but after listening to the really breezy approach approach of number three the piano and circus actually starts to sound kind of uh claustrophobic in a way like it's <laughs> okay. a, a little plotting i yeah. i mean it's great but um yeah i don't know i number three and the lyrics are not the same either no which is important there's a couple of lines yeah there, there's a line uh i i don't want to paraphrase because i don't want to butcher it but it's fast i love when you hear something like that in a in someone's discography and wonder yeah. maybe maybe it is an accident or maybe it means everything <laughs> but i think it isn't it but if I do, if I never do nothing, I'll get you back someday in three, and I'll I'm coming back someday or I'm something. I'm coming it's, back someday. Yeah, they yeah. mean very very different things. Very different things. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's tall, and it is. Tom didn't do things accidentally, right? So you know no, that there's yeah. something going on there that it's like, okay, that's really interesting. I, I totally agree. And three to me is always that's the way they he wrote it. He would have written that with an acoustic guitar, and just you can come in on it, and again, you can play it acoustic. It's three. I love the swing of it. I think it sounds a bit greasy and a bit dirty, but it, it's always three for me too. And you said like yeah. a perfect song and perfect is a horrible word to use about music, but I'd certainly say, I mean, a perfect lyric. I, as a songwriter, as a lyricist, you look at that and you think, well, I don't know. There's not a single word you could take out or put in there that would make it any better. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, half of me is ocean, half of me is sky. Oh my God, man. I mean, don't you wish you'd written that line? <laughs> and in the last half verse, you know, part of me you carry, part of me is gone. That, that I get, incredible. I get chills. I really yeah. get chills. And it's yeah. it is simple. Like he's not. That line is not reinventing the wheel. But no one said it that way. No one is. Yeah. No, no one has sculpted that sentiment in that perfect way before. Yeah, just perfect, absolutely. And again, so if, if sundowns are golden, then fade away. Okay, it's just, it, yeah. it, it, that's such a sense of being able to just write very visually for me. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I adore that song. And I'm the same as you. Yeah. Like, I, I ignored She's the One for years and years and years because I thought, well, it's a soundtrack album. Well, I'm not going to listen to that. Like, it's going to be songs for the movie and it's going to be about Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. And I don't care about that. Then when you go back to this, well, what the, f and it's got Angel Dream on there. And it's like, oh, my God, yeah. I this now, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This one's ended up being one of my favorite questions because this one throws up some absolute doozies like some of the some of the things that people said for this one blew have blown my mind so no pressure um but if you, could pick, <laughs> if you could pick any artist to cover any tom petty song which artist would it be and what song would they cover yeah this could have gone so many ways and i i pondered a lot of things but i uh what i settled on so i thought blondie covering um 
make it better would be such a cool take. Oh, wow. Um, is that the song that I want? I, I wrote everything down here. Yeah, either make it better or don't come around here no more. I thought wow. Blondie covering don't come around here no more would be such a cool thing. Because it's yeah. like sort of this weird new wavey thing. Almost, almost like sort of new wave, you know, meets George Harrison in India. But still, like, <laughs> like I, I would love to hear what her approach would be. Like someone who has a really different vocal tonality. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's what I came up with. Yeah, Debbie Harry's cut glass tone might work. I work really, really well for that song. I mean, make it better. I'm a huge fan of that song, but but maybe Blondie, maybe in the right hands, because the Heartbreakers weren't a disco band. Maybe Blondie would just knock that out of the park. Maybe they come up with an arrangement that would make it work properly. You know? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like it's sort of a faux funk guitar in there, yeah. and it's it's sort of like I I think a lot of Southern accents sort of like just barely works, and yeah. then. And then some, like, you see, like, is Ain't Nothing to Me, is that the second song on the album? I, th I, I think, think so, it is. yeah. Yeah. And that's, after, to after me, Rebels. that's... Right. So, <laughs> It Ain't Nothing to Me, I would say that's a miss. Um, and they they don't have many of them. Yeah. But most of that album sort of, like, just barely works. So it'd be interesting to hear some versions of those songs where it's sort of the band that maybe is meant to play them. Yeah. Um uh yeah i don't know i'm on board i'm on board with that yeah <laughs> okay so what song do you most frequently recommend to people who don't know tom's music and i always had a caveat this to this now after someone commented that if there are people in your life who don't know tom's music you could probably just get rid of them we don't need those people in our lives <laughs> <laughs> i wish it was that simple <laughs> i uh i go with uh i'm putting shadow of a doubt I, oh nice i think that song is I, that song does so much for me. Like it's, yeah. it's funny. It's up, it's, you know, it's upbeat. It's a great riff. You yeah. probably don't know it if you're not a Tom Petty fan. So you're not, yep. uh, you're not colored by having heard it and thinking like, okay, like, like if, if I were, if an alien came and was like, tell me about Tom Petty. Yeah. I think American girl pretty much sums it up. I don't, I don't know that you can get that much better. Yeah. That said, I think like so many people are going to have associations with that song, even if they're not like a petty fan, that yeah. it would be not optimal. Whereas I think Shadow of a Doubt does everything you want it to do without any baggage. Awesome, man. One is offside, one of Damn the Torpedoes, which is, you know, as you said, one of the most perfect sides of an album. So it's pretty perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. You look through that whole side. Ref refugee here comes my girl even the losers like out of nowhere you get hit with this triple punch shadow of a doubt and again I, i'm a sucker for a, a song title that's got brackets i don't know why i just kind of <laughs> like it and then and then you close with century city i mean it's yeah it's, it's just in and out phenomenal top to bottom yeah I'm trying to think now does he have other songs with uh with brackets oh he's got he a must. few yeah i, I mean, mean I guess he has an album title. Let me yeah. up. I've had enough. That is brackets. He had a few. Um, well, fooled, uh, fooled again, or yeah, fooled again. I don't like it. Oh, I don't there's, like there's it. A few yeah. on the, Which is a cool, cool song. Yeah, great song as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so last question for these for these ones, Matt. Um, describe Tom Petty in three words. I I came up with a a sort of 
silly, a way too like academic sounding thing, but it, it, it does say what I wanted to say. It's casually profound exemplar and uh, exemplar. Cause I, I, I wanted the a word that's like role model yeah. because that's what I love about. And this is sort of something I've been dancing around with him. It's like, he sort of like shows you a way of being of acting, but without telling you, like he's yeah. such a show don't tell character. Um, so, you know, he exemplifies how, what I think would be a beautiful way of living, of interacting with other people, with the world. Um, but it's this very, uh, you know, it's, it's never didactic. It's like, yeah. it's like presenting how to, how to exist without, without saying, without saying this is how to do it. Yeah. It's true leadership, right? Leadership, real leadership, leadership by example. And I think Absolutely, that yeah. it's, it's the part of Tom that those of us who are fans and those of us who are zealots, it, beyond the music is this guy who always fought for the rights of his fans, always wanted to keep his ticket prices low, fought against the record company for jacking up the prices. Like he was always, you knew, I and mean, you knew that he wasn't doing that cynically to come off as the, the great, you know, white knight. He was doing it because he genuinely right. believed that that was the right thing to do. So exemplar, fantastic word for that. I think that's absolutely <laughs> perfect. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it's more of a 10 cent word that I would have wanted, <laughs> but I had to keep it to three. I had to keep it to three. <laughs>